Thank you for joining with us for another episode of Morning Briefings here on the Pipeline Intercession for the President and on our podcast. If you have any dreams that you have about the office of the president, please send them to pip at christiancentershreveport.com. We're so thankful that you all have joined in with us on this prayer journey, and we look forward to standing with you not only today, but in the days ahead. So with that, we'll go ahead and join today's broadcast as we talk about the news and stand on the wall for this nation and the office of the president. Good morning, good morning, everyone. Zach Arskaden coming to you live from North Carolina. And what a glorious morning it is to be here with you guys, standing and praying on the wall for the office of the president. And today we want to, I want to hit a lot of things and some, a lot has happened over the weekend. And we just want to be aware of things going on, not only in this nation, but around the world, but to affect this nation and the heart of the Lord. And we want to make sure we're aware in the times and seasons that we are alive about some things. And first off, we just want to uh, be in thoughts and prayers with those in Colorado Springs over the senseless shooting this past weekend. Um, just want to pray about that. There's not much um, to go on right now. It's still under investigation. A lot of accusations are being thrown out there, but um, still it's the loss of life that we want to pray for with those families who are involved in this unfortunate accident. But today we want to continue on our journey in Luke 19 as we look at um, what the Lord is is doing through this process here with um, originally Zacchaeus. And we talked about how, how last week it was really just a good example of how we can reach out to the Lord and, and how he's wanting to reach out to us uh, to give us stewardship strategies for this season and the season of ahead. And as we go into and continue our journey of dethroning the thrones of iniquity, we want to today look at the rest of this chapter and we begin to see in verse 28 where Jesus is telling the disciples go get you know the donkey go into the village where you are and as you're there you'll find a colt and he goes in and then as he's coming in i just want to highlight these things is you know the people are crying out for the lord uh, saying blessed is the king who comes in the name of the lord peace in heaven and glory to, to him in the highest and then the Pharisees are, are crying out, saying, Teacher, rebuke your disciples. I mean, that's the only way I could see them um, in a crowd of people just yelling out to Jesus. Uh, but Jesus answered him. He says, I tell you, if these become silent, then the stones will cry out. And there's a bigger picture here, but we want to focus in on this interaction here with the Pharisees. Because you have this one, and then later on in this, we see that as Jesus he um, starts to approach in dealing with them um, and those involved in the city saying this. He says in verse 42, If you had known in this day, even you, the things which make for peace, but now they have been hidden from your eyes. And we go back to that, that encounter with Zacchaeus. And, and I said it's really interesting and important to see that beginning of this, beginning of the judgment, God 
gives a story through scripture of repentance of someone who has committed sins, but because he was humble and didn't have pride and stubbornness, was able to repent and have that veil removed. There are some who will, there are some who won't. And this is the example of that. And he goes on to say, For the days will come upon you when your enemies will throw up a barricade against you and surround you and hem you on every side, and they will level you to the ground and your children within you, and they will not leave in you one stone upon another because you did not recognize the time of your visitation. And that that right there, the time of your visitation, is something we want to highlight. And I'll come back to that in our prayer point. But I want to finish this. Three more verses, or four more verses. And then Jesus goes into the temple and he drives out um, the traitors. And he says, it is written, and my house shall be a house of prayer, but you have made it a, a robber's den. And this is quite interesting here to see this. He said, and he was teaching daily in the temple, but the chief priests and the scribes and the leading men among the people were trying to destroy him. And they could not find anything that they might do for all the people were hanging on to every word he said. Even in this moment where they wanted to destroy and anger Jesus because he was calling out things because of their pride and stubbornness that they should have otherwise repented of. But because they feared man so much and because they feared their position of power, they weren't willing to overstep that and take him out. Now, the prayer point for this is really dealing with the time of visitation and preparing for a visitation. And so Chuck points out, he says, look for his perfect timing for salvation or for visitation in your life. Ask him to give you an understanding of visitation. He has a Kairos time for you to walk in. Ask him to place you in your perfect opportune time. And this comes with being humble, be repentant of anything that's that's not of him in our lives so that we can move forward and, and make sure that the veil has been pulled down uh, that the enemy is trying to put on us and, and making sure we're dethroning the thrones of iniquity in our lives so that we can step into that perfect time of visitation for the Lord um, in the season and, and, and in the position he's called us to here now and in the season ahead. And that goes um, far beyond just our individual lives as even leaders in this nation, uh, something we want to cry out for and pray for as well. Okay, high level um, today, want to... St- Give some updates on situations in Israel throughout the Middle East because it involves Israel. Um, And first is the negotiations for the coalition within Israel to form its government with Netanyahu. It's looking like um, they're progressing and what is being reported um, as some disputes between the the religious Zionist group and the the Qud coalition um, are... Kind of what's being reported from the Jerusalem Post is that, well, there's disputes. Uh, one person's willing to give up this, one person's willing to give up that. Um, but those were are were are being confirmed as original, like first round negotiations. So they've progressed much longer, which is a good thing. If you're if you're not getting what is actually happening right now out, um, that means there there must be some informed progression. Um, and kind of an indicator for that is that there has been. Uh, someone by the name of Yov Galant, who has been put in position of a new foreign affair and defense 
committee chief to start the progression, uh, or more so, the transition of power from the old regime to the new regime, and then as that process is being made, he's there to fill in the gaps and make sure nothing gets left undone. So that's somewhat a positive. Um, so the, the transitioning is, is looking like it's starting. And so we just want to pray there for those peaceful transition to power um, and for the Netanyahu coalition to form a government um, so that you know Israel doesn't have to go back for another uh, election, <laughs> six and, and four years. But now with all that leading up, you have this transition of power. Things could possibly fall through the cracks. The reason why we want to pray for Israel in this season, while the leadership is kind of in flux, is because it's being reported that Iran is in the process of going for um, 90% in uranium enrichment, which would be utterly disastrous not only for Israel, but for the rest of the world as they have threatened and are in the process of some other things. I'll get to that here in a second. But there was also uh, coming out of Israel from the IDF and Mossad is more so is that there were rumors that Iran was contemplating terrorist attacks attacks during the current um, World Cup in, in Qatar, Qatar, however you pronounce, however you want to pronounce it. And so, this is why we want to pray for the peace of Jerusalem because while they're going through their transition, Iran is saying, "Okay, cool, we're gonna." rush this in and it's involving russia it's involving north korea and saudi arabia's uh, involved in allowing some of these things to happen um so just we want to be mindful about what's going on and praying for israel in this situation now with this you also have hezbollah who's in the process of moving um toxic mis missiles into uh, lebanon and storing have storing them there and just so we're aware of what this really means is if you can see this um you have israel here where the blue dot is it's kind of small um but lebanon is right above that and then obviously syria so they're 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 bringing weapons closer and closer towards um israel which is something to be mindful of as israel is in disputes with syria war uh, conflict and if you've ever been to this border right here, you can look into and and see some of the explosions and he, even hear some of the battles there uh, that have actually gone on. You're not too far from there. So things to be mindful of. Then you also have some things popping off where you have Turkey somewhat working in alignment with Iran. Uh, there hasn't been confirmation that they're working directly together, but they're working together. And this is a Sunni-Shiite um, conflict that has raged on for quite some time where you have Turkey uh, looks like going in, into Kurdish areas in Syria and Iran doing the same in Iraq. And so again, looking at the map here, we see here up top that Turkey going into Syria, Iran coming into Iraq, into these regions where the U.S. has allies and, and point that out to make sure we're, we're understanding how this is affecting. So you, you have these negotiations. Erdogan is trying to play peacemaker with Israel, Iran, and Russia, and China. But then yet he's doing some of the same things in alignment with what Iran would want to do in attacking certain forces after the um, 
they're saying that this is the group in the region where these, this terrorist attack last week happened out of Turkey, um, even though there's no uh, reports that can confirm that. So we want to be aware about um, what's going on with Israel and those who are um, even close to, you know, keep your friends. Uh, friends close and your enemies closer here, and so Israel's they're they're very obviously very aware of this, uh, not breaking news that Israel isn't aware of, but is we still in with all of this being said, all these these battles, these conflicts going on in this region of the world it is the moniker is all, keep an eye on Israel, and so we're seeing this, and as this position of potential weakness and blindness, not out of ignorance, but just as there is a transition of power, we want to continue to pray for the peace of Jerusalem, as the Lord has told us throughout scriptures to continue to do. Those who, who bless Israel shall be blessed. Those who curse Israel shall be cursed. All right. Domestically, we want to, again, stay high level today. There's a lot that happened this weekend. I'm not going to be able to get into everything. We'll probably touch on some things at noon prayer um, and dive deeper on some specific things. But right now... Um, involving the midterms, some results have a f- somewhat come forward, and some interesting things have started to play out. So in Colorado, you have Lauren Bobart's opponent, Adam Fisk, Frisk, uh, concede his race, and I, and I want you to look at this because this isn't this is a not just him conceding, this is a intentional political strategy moving forward for the midterms. And that's why you have to be very careful, and, and, and this will make sense. Here in a second, you have to be very careful. If you don't have actual evidence and proof of something, you need to be very careful when you say something, especially for a leader. And he goes on to talk about how, if in his announcement, that if a recount were to happen, he said that it would, um, the likelihood of this recount changing more than a handful of votes is very small, very, very small. It would be disingenuous and unethical for us or any other group to continue to raise false hope and raise fundraising for a recount. And obviously this is a pre-written speech that he is reading off, but I think this quotes, this is an interesting perspective. It's saying, okay, we lost, so what? We're giving up. We're moving on. We're not fighting this. We're not causing an outroar. And they're distancing themselves from the Republican Party and even their own allegations of Russian interference with the 2016 election because it's a bad look. Americans don't want that, don't like that, are tired of it. They want to move on. Now, does that mean there isn't some issues that go on? No. It's just that's this is the Democrats' political strategy moving forward. They're going to distance themselves from this narrative unless there's evidence, and you have to have evidence. He doesn't have evidence. He doesn't show. He just, okay, recount, boom, it's there. It's a thin margin in the actual numbers he could call for a recount or delay things, but he's saying, it's a bad look for me. We want to move on. Just separate ourselves from there. They're playing the long game. Now, in Arizona, completely different story. The Arizona AG is demanding a full report for a myriad of problems in Maricopa County throughout the rest of the state. And obviously, we talked about this last week, Carrie Lake agrees with him. And has been following this long. She, all reports show that she has the evidence to back up her claims. That's fine. When Bush v. Gore issue arose with the hanging chads, 
there was a legitimate case from both sides to get involved to resolve the dispute. In this case, there's firsthand evidence. There's multiple reports of people saying, when I went to go check in Maricopa County and other places in Arizona, that my voter, my, my family's vote or somebody's vote who legitimately went to the polls to vote is not being counted. Why is that? So, now, this happened before in 2020, will something come out of this? Arizona Attorney General, um, Mark Brnovich's office, stated, um, cited evidence of statutory violations in contests in which Hobb, uh, the opponent for Carrie Lake, uh, who is Secretary of State, oversees elections, overcame huge deficits in the polls, uh, their widespread malfunctioning of voting machines in conservative areas of the state's most populous county, which became a national punchline. Uh, he said these complaints go beyond pure speculation, but include firsthand witness accounts that raise concerns regarding Maricopa, Maricopa's awful compliance with Arizona election law. Uh, they go on to say, in part of their reporting, is that um, there were potential legal violations in the poll workers' handling of ballots that could not be uh, ingested into tabulators where some widespread reports of those ballots were collected separately through, um, though without proper security, saying that Maricopa, appear, Maricopa County appears to have failed to adhere to the statutory guidelines, meaning they didn't follow the, the rules and procedures in place that was outlined by the state. So there might be some issues involved um, in segregation, counting, tabulation, tallying, transporting the quote-unquote door three ballots. In fact, Maricopa County has admitted that in some voting locations, door three uh, non-tabulated ballots were co-mingled with tabulated ballots at the voting locations, meaning that they're, they're saying those votes have been counted, but they're not really counted. Why would you do that? That's hopefully what they're able to find out. Also stating that they have sworn statement from one election observer who said those non-tabulated ballots were placed in duffel bags and possibly co-mingled with tabulated votes. Again, there's no official um, winner from the state, which could possibly go into next month. So there are issues here. First-hand evidence, uh, witnesses showing that there's some problems. And this all intents and purposes, looks like there might be legitimate evidence of problems involved in this. Not that there aren't. It's that when we go back to 2020, there was no evidence at the time that they were counting the votes, like right now, that wasn't there. Here, it looks like it is. So we want to continue to pray that the true vote comes out. Now, do they find all these ballots and then they look at the other ballots and everything matches, it's legal, and Hobbs wins, that's fine. If she wins, she wins, that's fine. But if she wins by cheating, it's a fraud, and that's hopefully what they're going to be able to find. However it, the outcome of it is, that's what it is. That's the way the election should lie for how the people in Arizona voted. If they voted for Katie Hobbs, that's who they chose, that's who they chose. So we just want to pray for the true vote to come out there and look at the different strategies. This time around, Republicans have the actual evidence, looks like, to show that some nefarious actions went on and they're going to try to prove it, holding forward with some problems that went on in 2020. Democrats are just saying, hey, we're backing off. 
So we'll see what this long-term strategy and how it actually play out uh, moving forward in the days ahead and in future elections. And now, next I want to get to some things the Biden administration. Um, just this is why we want to pray. Um, and obviously we understand that, but more so in the season ahead, um, coming into the next presidential election as decisions are being going to be made of whether this administration should run for our next term. It's because it's not just Biden. It's the people who are under Biden as well who could potentially be in it. So there's reports coming out, and, and this is not anything new. Biden has said this before. He says it again about how if Americans are, are feeling poor and cold, that they just need to spend more um, on solar panels and new windows, getting tax credits and other things. Very problematic. Um, I, I think it just shows a, a disconnection from uh, those throughout the rest of the country who are going through this economic time. And, and you can get into why and how. It's just this is the heart, um, the results of what we're seeing from this Biden administration. This is why I want to pray for the Holy Spirit to come into the White House, if not bring fear into these people, into the next person, whoever runs for president next, to Republican and Democrat, to, to, to have a heart to be able to understand the position of the people in, in this country. Now, obviously, there's spiritual aspects in this, but there's um, a reason here that the Lord wants us to pray for our leaders. And then another thing the administration is is being very contradictory on is this um, G20 declaration uh, to build on the success of existing vaccines. There's also the um, fund declaration to give money to poor countries who have been harmed by climate change, which is quite interesting um, when we see the story of the 10 minutes and um, we see the Lord giving to those who have been responsible with their money, not those who haven't. Why are we just going to throw money in all these other countries? And, and and the problem with these is that when these deals are signed, the U.S. gives a thousand times more than China and India who cause these problems. But the reason that this is a problem is because former White House Press Secretary Jen Paskey, who was there in office or in her position, said that the government is not, nor will it ever be, supporting a system that requires Americans to carry a credential. And so what this deal does is this puts them on par with China, really. Uh, to have a credit system or a, a vaccine jab card on a computer database that could be shared around the world. Well, that's great uh, that we're just going to share information with China and the rest of the world about where and how certain Americans are on schedule with the jabs that are being pushed forward, not by Americans and not gone through the proper procedures of the American legal system, but because the world says so. So um, we're seeing some double speak on this. And then an interesting aspect is even with all this double speak and everything going on, even liberal progressive publications are getting fed up with this and they're pointing some things out about this administration. You have the Washington Post calling out the Biden administration for its statement on Friday, shielding Saudi Arabia's crown prince Mohammed bin Salman from a lawsuit where he was supposedly involved in the killing of a newspaper journalist. 
And the Biden administration's claim is, well, he has uh, immunity, diplomatic immunity. And the Washington Post is upset, to say the least, um, about this. They're slamming the title from the Daily Wire says that the Washington Post slams Biden for granting immunity to Saudi prince over killing of um, columnist. And then Jake Tapper from CNN goes on to say, says, you're letting him get away with murder. And so I, I, I point this out to say that, look, we may not agree 100% with the Washington Post. <laughs> we, uh, most people don't um, who are be- believers and have a biblical worldview and even CNN. And CNN's taking a shift because they've been sh- shedding water or so taking on water for past six years because of their just woke ideologies and, and pushing people down a road that people are just tired of. And Jake Tappers, they're calling it out. And so we're seeing a shift. Now, it doesn't mean they're all turning their hearts to the Father, but they're able to even see the disastrous decisions here. And even more so as we go through this transition of Israeli government in this season of understanding the time of visitation that we're in and seeking the Lord of how important it is for not only our lives, but to pray for those thrones of iniquity to be dethroned within the White House, within this nation. Doesn't mean that it'll happen overnight that, oh yeah, we, you know, we win an election, somebody gets in. It's that eventually as just like you could say this with how those who want to push an anti-biblical worldview took their time and play the long game, like in Colorado, they're saying, Hey, we're going to play the long game is we have to understand that. Look, we can sow these seeds now, and it may take two months, may take two weeks, two hours, however long the Lord wants it to take or needs it to take for the heart of this nation to turn back to him. And so we're starting to see a realization of some of the problems here with the administration. And then I want to close out on this. is This week, as you know, we gear up for Thanksgiving. Washington, D.C. is pretty much going to be... Silent for all intents and purposes. Um, not much going on with Thanksgiving, everybody being in their communities, etc. Kind of quiet. But over the weekend and moving forward, we're seeing something interesting happen out at Twitter in San Francisco. Obviously, Elon Musk, if you saw this weekend, brought back President Trump's account and other people's account. And he basically just made this statement um, in a short little tweet. He said, new Twitter policy is freedom of speech, but not freedom of reach. Negative slash hate tweets will be max deboosted and demonetized, so no ads or other revenue to Twitter. You won't find the tweet unless you specifically seek it out, which is no different than the rest of the internet. People are upset about this, because what does negative hate speech tweets mean? But the reality is, is, look, you can post anything you want, it just won't be blasted out to the whole world if it determines what negative hate speech tweet is. Now, who defines that is still up in the air. But I say this, is this tweet and allowing Trump back, allowing others back, um, has been all the rage of the leftists um, throughout the world. And and also, over the weekend, he sent out emails to employees, you know, 8,000 plus employees are around there. Basically that they're locked out of their their accounts and then if they are asked to come back, and some of them were, to be able to basically do your job and learn how to call he called it code review. Gotta go over code with you. There were those who got upset with that, blah blah blah. 
the reports are that he's dwindled it down to a very few number of people. The reason I bring this up, and Twitter's running fine, it's efficient. He also tweeted out that Twitter is at an all-time high uh, of usage, users as they're flocking back to it, is to say that for the next president, whoever it is, and Bill Barr mentioned this, and we'll, we'll get into this in more noon prayer, of how there is a deep state, there's problems there. Whoever is the president, Elon is setting the example of how, okay, even though people will get upset, you have to think long-term about the country. And in this instance, a private company, he's thinking long-term about the revenues of the country. For the past several years, Twitter's been losing $300 million a year. And people who want to continue to do that are upset. And he's saying, no, my job as a new owner of Twitter is to bring revenue to the company. Now, you may not like how I do that, but I'm doing that by cutting people who don't know how to actually write code and benefit the overall bottom line of the company. They're wasting uh, uh, upwards of $3 million a, a week on providing lunches and, and, and breakfast and lunch for people, wine, beer, all this just luxuries involving in the tech industry. And yet they're losing money and they're, they're upset that those things are being taken away. But my digress is for the next president, this is an example of how to come in and figure out who needs to be there or not. Figure out how deep the swamp really goes. President Trump thought he could do it slowly and could trust some people who were there. But the reality is, is whoever the next president is has to question who can be trusted, who should be trusted, and do we really need to do certain things. You're going to get the pushback from Democrats and some Republicans saying, well, we need, we need this, 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 and this. Maybe, maybe not. We're about to see and, and Elon's setting a precedence. And when you take over a company and you want to figure out who's essential, and when you have no idea who has access to what, this is a way to go about doing that. And over the weekend, he, he had quote-unquote code reviews, basically um, making people interview for their job and keep their job. And this is nothing new. I've seen this firsthand. When new owners come into a company, they sit down, and basically, it's a three-month review where you go through and you if you're not essential, you're, you're not benefiting the company in a positive way or in, in any way. And sometimes this case, and in Twitter's case, thousands of employees weren't. Your job is therefore determined based upon the role and the work you're doing there. And, and, and the question is, in government, what are most of these people doing? 87,000 IRS agents. They say they're going to help people get their taxes done faster, but is that what needs to be done? Is there something else that needs to be done? The problems with the DOJ, FBI, um, everybody else in, involved in doing these random investigations, going after a noose at a NASCAR uh, garage versus other actual legal ramifications, indoctrinations of LGBTQ ideologies, or should they be focusing on national security measures? And I close with this. This is a prime, again, a prime example of how you clean out a house as King Josiah would have done, removed it. All the false prophets, those who are offering child sacrifices, uh, offering up incense, just remove them out. And you plan in those people who the Lord would want in that place. Now, obviously in the government, that's a little bit different, harder, but it shows that it can be done. And that if somebody's willing to stand up to the ridicule 
from on the right and the left <laughs> and up and down, wherever you want to think politically. That you have to think for the basis and the long-term future of this country with what our foundation is, where we should be going, and then where we are going. And so it's a very interesting case study to look at and see how something like this can be done and whoever the president is next um, to see it as an example of something that might possibly need to be done so let's continue to pray and prepare ourselves for this visitation of the lord as we're coming into a season of thankfulness in this season of thankfulness and into this season of continued outpouring of the lord and this continuing hunger throughout this nation for a visitation of the Lord for each of us and, and, and for us specifically to pray for the Holy Spirit to come in, uproot whatever is there and to place in his pla in his place um, a righteous leader who will lead this country into a place of freedom first and foremost. So blessings to that. See you guys at noon prayer as we continue to dive deeper into these issues and praying for the office of the president and this nation to get back to the destiny that the Lord has, which is to spread the gospel of the kingdom to not only this nation, but to the rest of the world. Blessings, and I'll see you guys later. Have a good one.